0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: What the devil wants to do and what he's trying to use the world to do and what he even aligns himself with our flesh to do is to move us away from our faith in Christ. That's his ultimate objective, to move us away from our faith in Christ. So we have to continue to trust Jesus
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Revelation. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, in a message titled, To Those Who Overcome. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Something
1: that I've been thinking about is just overcoming and the necessity of overcoming, the necessity of of persevering in our relationship with the Lord. Because sadly, tragically, we see many today who are are not doing that. Instead of overcoming as believers, they are being overcome by the things of uh, the world and the flesh and so forth. So we We want to consider that together today. And so to each of these churches, Jesus speaks a word to those who overcome, implying that every believer in every age is going to face opposition in their commitment to follow him that opposition is going to push against us right to the very end. That's the reality of the Christian life. As I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, you could describe the Christian life as a series of battles against forces that are seeking to thwart the establishing of God's kingdom over and through our lives. That's what it is. I, I, I hate to break the news to you that that's what it is, but it really is. It's a series of battles. There's just one battle after another. There's one storm after another. There's one attempt after another by these forces to overthrow our faith. And hence the necessity of knowing what it means to overcome and overcoming. So the question is, what specifically are the things to be overcome? And secondly, how do we overcome them? So as we look at these letters here, these seven letters to the churches, we see in these letters to the churches, we see the, the various things that Christians throughout all ages and from generation to generation, these are the things that that we have to deal with. These are the things that we have to overcome. And there's a number of things that we find here in these churches. And let me just give you examples. There are issues of a cooling, hard, or indifferent heart toward the Lord as seen in Ephesus, Sardis, and Laodicea. In those three churches, those were the problems. Ephesus, the heart had grown cold toward Jesus. Sardis, the heart had become hard and stony. And in Laodicea, the church that was neither hot nor cold, remember, but it was lukewarm. Well, obviously, this is a heart of indifference toward the Lord. So you're going to have those kinds of issues. You're going to have issues of idolatry, sexual immorality, covetousness. These also are seen in these letters. Seen in the letter to the church in Pergamos, Thyatira, Laodicea, you find that these were the issues there. But then there are also issues of satanically inspired opposition and persecution, as in the church in Smyrna, the church in Pergamos, and the church of Philadelphia. So to kind of summarize it, the opposition is coming to us from the world and from the devil and from the flesh. And, and those are always the, the, the combination of things that work together to seek to overthrow our faith. And so from the world, we have those temptations, say, for example, to idolatry and to greed and to covetousness and things like that. And people are are led astray by those things. Jesus said, you remember maybe in the parable that he told, commonly called the parable of the sower, Jesus spoke of those who heard the word and the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, they choke the word. So it never really brings forth the fruit that was intended. That's the kind of thing we're talking about here. And so we see it in these churches. We see the idolatry in both the church in Pergamos, as well as the church at Thyatira. The the emphasis there is on the idolatry. Now, idolatry, just so we're clear about this, isn't merely the bowing down to a carved image of some sort, although that is idolatry, and although that does still happen in many places in the world today. Idolatry is alive and well in the western world idolatry is alive and well in the the USA and because idolatry is really something other than god being on the throne of our hearts so as christians we can be guilty of idolatry we can be tempted toward idolatry as our, the affection of our hearts moves away from the Lord and onto something or someone else. It can be things. It can be possessions. Or it can be a person. It can be ideas. Any number of things can possibly become an idol in our lives. And so we're battling against the world. We're battling against materialism covetousness greed and these kinds of things that that threaten to overtake us and overcome us but these are the things that we need to overcome and then of course there's the battle with the devil in these letters to the churches the devil is mentioned six times five times he's referred to as satan and one time he's actually referred to as the devil of course we're talking about the same person and four times he's referred to in the sense of inspiring persecution against believers. So he's responsible for afflicting believers and for stirring up persecution. The the other connections are one, he's, he's connected with idolatry. His throne is in a certain place and there's persecution there as well. But then in the letter to the church in Thyatira, he's connected with the the, the deep, dark idolatry and immorality, sexual immorality that's going on in the church. So the devil kind of has his hand in a lot of different things, but he is the one behind persecution. He's the one that inspires people with hatred toward the followers of Jesus and tries to to get them to persecute. And so the world, the devil, but then I think really in some ways the worst of all is the flesh because the world and the devil are outside of us. The flesh, well, that's us. Sometimes we are the biggest problem. We're our own worst enemy. And with the flesh, you have the issues of the heart. You have the, the cooling of the heart, the, 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 the lack of passion, toward Jesus. You have the hardness of the heart that can develop, or you have the indifference. But of course, sexual immorality and those types of things that are pleasing to the flesh, those are all part of this, this battle that we have. So this is the point. The point is that we are in a battle, that Jesus calls us to overcome in. And we've got to see life for what it is. We've got to see the Christian life for what it is. It is a series of battles. And these things, the things that the world throws at us, the thing the devil throws at us and, and the things that the flesh uh, has those inclinations toward, these are the things that we are to fight against. So here's the next important question. How do we overcome? We're going to see that Jesus gives all these promises to the overcomers, but how how do we overcome? We see the need to overcome and what it is that we have to overcome, but how do we do it? Well, John tells us, the one who wrote Revelation or had it at least uh, dictated to him, John in his first epistle He tells us the way to victory. He tells us how to overcome. He said in chapter five, verses four and five, he said, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's our faith that's gonna overcome the world. Who are they that overcome the world, he asked? Those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. So how do we overcome? We overcome by continued faith in christ and you see what the devil wants to do and what he's trying to use the world to do and what he even aligns himself with our flesh to do is to move us away from our faith in christ that's his ultimate objective to move us away from our faith in christ so we have to continue to trust jesus We have to continue to love Jesus. We have to continue in our obedience to him. We have to continue to confess him as our Lord. We have to continue to have confidence in him. We have to continue to repent toward him when we do sin, when our hearts do grow cold. Or when we do drift off into idolatry. Or when we do find ourselves maybe caught up in sexual immorality or whatever. We we have to repent. We have to come back to him. We need to keep trusting him. We, We need to. These are words that you need to get lodged into your mind. Perseverance. Endurance. Fighting. These are words that all describe what we do as Christians we are to persevere. We need to keep on going. We need to have endurance. Because, you know, the enemy wants to wear us down. That's what he wants to do. And, and of course, you know, if you're doing anything, uh, any kind of uh, sport, any kind of competitive thing, you know that there, there's a point where you get weary, you get tired, you get exhausted, you need rest, you need refreshment, you need revitalization. And so with us, since we are in a battle, a battle that is lasting our entire lives, we need refreshment. We we need revitalization. And we get that through our faith in Christ. Now, thank God that even though we are in this battle, thank God it's not continuous in the sense that there's, there's never a reprieve, that there's never any let up. I mean, if that were the case, we would probably all be wiped out. But the good thing is that the Lord knows what we're, what we're able to handle. And he promised that he wouldn't allow us to be tested beyond uh, our ability to handle it. And of course, he would give us uh, the grace to do that. But the fact of the matter is, we need perseverance. We need endurance. We have to fight because someone, something is trying to take our crown from us, trying to take our reward from us. And Jesus says to the church here, he says, hold fast what you have that no one take your crown, that no one take your crown. Be aware of that objective that's, that's aimed at every one of us, from those three enemies that we mentioned. You know, I was talking to a friend this morning. I haven't seen her in many years, and she came here to church this morning. And she told me that she she's had a rough time, her marriage, you know, difficulties there and, and so forth. But, you know, she said she kind of just drifted away from the Lord. She became angry because God wasn't doing for her and her family and her marriage what she had expected him to do. And it, things weren't getting better, and her husband was becoming more difficult and unfaithful, and all of those things. But you know, she's back. And that's, that's the thing we have to know. Yeah, the enemy might knock you out of your lane for a, a, a little bit, you might get weary and, and collapse. Maybe you've done that. You know, if you're running a long distance race, uh, you know what happens? The further you go, the more tired you get. And there there are times when you feel like, oh, I just, I can't go any further. But Jesus will give us the grace. He will give us the strength if we look to him. And so we've got to hold fast that no one take our crown. Now, here, and the thing I want to focus on primarily are these promises that Jesus made to those who overcome. And to every one of these churches, and more specifically to the individuals in the churches, Jesus gives these promises, and they are promises to the overcomer. Now, we need to know this. One of the major themes of Scripture is that for God's people, that's us who believe in Jesus, the best is yet to come. That's what we have to know. The best is yet to come, which really means that we should not be expecting to have our best life now. If you're expecting to have your best life now, you're going to be disappointed. Because this is not the time. This is not our best life now. You know, a soldier's best life is when the war is over and he gets to come back to his family, right? His best life isn't when he's there on the battlefield dodging bullets and bombs and the enemy and all all of that. that's what he's committed to doing and that's great but he he doesn't envision that as as an endless situation he's longing for that to be over and so likewise with us we have to realize that that our best life is not now our best life is in the future and my, my point is this and this is where i think we sometimes fail And this is why we sometimes get discouraged, and sometimes why we're tempted to drop out is because we make the mistake of thinking that no, everything now is supposed to be great. Now, like I said, thank God that we do have some wonderful times. I mean, being a Christian is a wonderful thing. You have peace, you have contentment, you have joy, you know that you're loved, you know that you're forgiven, you have confidence about the future. You have all of those things, but you have all of those things in the midst of a raging war. That's the the truth about it. And just like every single generation of believers from the beginning of time till this very day, we're all still waiting for the culmination of the promises of God. We're all still waiting for this thing to be finalized and to be wrapped up and for everything that God has promised, we're waiting for that to come to fruition. It hasn't happened yet. So if we're thinking that it all should be perfect right now, and because it's not, we are then drifting into these other things, it's because our thinking in the first place is wrong. You see, Jesus said, it is only if we lose our lives now for his sake and the sake of the kingdom that we will preserve them for eternity. It is there in his presence that we will experience fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. That's not going to happen here and now. So we've just got to face that. We've got to just lay hold of the reality that, look, life is a series of battles. It's a series of spiritual battles with God in his mercy, giving us those times of rest and reprieve that that he knows that we need. But nevertheless, we go from one battle to another. That is what I have discovered in my life as a Christian. Now, you know, when you've been through a lot of battles, you tend to think that, you know, I've been through enough battles. I'm not really (laughs) thinking that I should have to go through any more. But you know what you find? It's, it's inevitable. You can't stop it. it they, just, they keep coming. They keep coming. And if you think of it as a battle or you think of it as a storm, uh, you know, you go through storm after storm. And, and of course, thank God, you go through a storm and then the seas calm and there you are and you're just, oh, yeah, oh, it's great. Everything's calmed down. But oh, man, you look on the horizon, you see those clouds out there. You know that uh oh, there's another storm coming. There is another storm coming. This is just this is it. This is the way, this is the way life is. And especially for us as believers, because we're in the thick of this conflict. And so we have got to remember this. You see, those promises pertain to the joy and pleasure that await those who have loved and followed Jesus in the time of his humiliation and rejection. This is the time of the rejection of Jesus. That's what we're living in. And because of that, Jesus said, if they hear my words, they're going to hear yours. If they love me, they're going to love you. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. That's the way it is. And listen, we're living in a world that is becoming outwardly and, and more obviously hostile toward Jesus Christ. We, we lived in a culture that for a long time was just simply indifferent to Christ and his gospel. Hey, yeah, that Jesus, we hear about Jesus, but you know, yeah, that's over there. It doesn't bother me. I, they don't bother me. I don't bother them. They're just sort of an indifference. But you, you know that that is changing you know that the indifference is giving way to an open hostility. And we're seeing more and more now today, people are saying, like, like they said back right there when Jesus was before Pontius Pilate and he was about to be condemned, and those people under the inspiration of the high priest were shouting, we will not have this man to rule over us. And that's what people are saying today. The reason people hate Jesus is because he represents the rule of God over their lives. And we live in a time when everybody thinks that they are absolutely autonomous, that they have no accountability to anybody, that they are the final authority on what they can do or think or how they live. That's the the world that we're living in now. So anybody who dares to tell them that the way they're living or what they're thinking or doing is wrong, then that person becomes the enemy. And Jesus, that's what he's telling people all the time. But he, he actually said it himself. Even in his day, he said, the world can't hate you. He was speaking to his brothers. He said, but it hates me. Why? Because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. That's the problem. So we're living in the time when Christ is rejected, and we are his followers, and we are experiencing that same rejection. But listen, Jesus said this to his disciples, and it's applicable to us because we're his disciples as well. It's not the specifics aren't exactly the same, but the principle is the same. Jesus said this to them He said, But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus is saying essentially that same thing to us today. For the
0: month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner Are you struggling to recognize the hand of God During difficult seasons of life? If you need a fresh reminder of God's presence In your present circumstances Or if you know someone who does Then you need to get this book The Myth of Coincidence Chronicles John Bonner's story of God's faithfulness And is full of devotional insights Scripture and sections for reflecting upon How God is at work in your life Dispel the myth of coincidence in your own story. Get this book today. The book, The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.
1: Hi, this is Cheryl and...
0: Brian Broderson,
1: And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022, and we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th, and this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian you and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount, Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. We are so excited about this Israel trip because we absolutely love going to Israel. So we'd love to have you join us October 23rd through November 4th, 2022. And you can find more information at israel.cccm.com. We'd love to have you join us.